Welcome to another episode of the Doom is Dead podcast. Joining us on today's show is a very talented member of the Doom community. Although he generally flies under the radar as far as Doom personalities go, he's also someone that has actually become an influential contributor to the success of the multiplayer Doom Federation over the years that he's been involved. He may be best known currently as the creator and innovator of Doomware, which was just presented with a multiplayer award in the 2020 CAC Awards. Doomware is based off of WarriorWare, and I'm going to steal some of Doom's writing here, with rapidly changing minigames that incorporate the game we all love. Within the past year, we've also seen him release a game mode of his own, entitled Dominatrix, which uses ACS to inject capture control points onto any competitive multiplayer map, breaking open the door of possibilities and introducing players to King of the Hill, control points, or even double domination. It's great to have him here. I, I of course, am speaking about Boo342. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks, uh, Bones. Uh, it's a bit like hot in my room, but it's super cold outside, so I'm uh, hopefully not sweating too many bullets during this interview. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's the the struggle of winter, right? I mean, I've, I've had, you know what's funny? I've never actually said your your name all all out. I've only ever called you Boo. Is it Boo three four two? Boo three forty two? What what are we what are we doing here? That's a very good question, actually. <laughs> Uh, not even I consistently call it. I just tell people to just say whatever's more fun to you. I usually go with Boo342, because I just like how that sounds, and the two rhymes with Boo, and it's just fun to say. You know, before we get ahead of ourselves, I know that Doom is not the only game that uh, you, you know, you create mods for lots of different games. You have you have interests um, in, in some other things. So why don't you kind of take us through your, your history as a gamer and some of the other games that you're involved in, and then how you found your way into the Doom community. Well, uh, <laughs> there's quite a bit of history there. So I've always been around games in my house. Uh, we, we had a Nintendo 64 for the longest of time. My brother, uh, he also had, uh, Game Boys. Um, and I eventually got my own handhelds, the DS and the PSP. Uh, we also eventually got a PlayStation 2. And, um, PC gaming wasn't really my big thing because I've always had hand-me-down computers from my dad's office. And those things don't really have great graphics cards. And eventually, uh, my brother introduced me to a little program called Game Maker. And from there, I just sort of went wild. I started making my own little game projects and published them on this now defunct website called Yo-Yo Games. Um, pretty sure you can still find that stuff in archives, though. Trust me, the quality on those things is not very good. Uh, I also eventually jumped to other places like um, uh, Gary's Mod is probably what I'm most known for. Uh, Doom also, I, I started with Doom a little bit before Gary's Mod because I somehow found Doom Builder and I was like, whoa, this literally lets me draw my own levels. This is so cool. 
from the start you were uh, always interested more in the game creation rather than just you know playing the game yeah i i i think it kind of got to the point where i played so many games and i was like man i really want to like make this sort of stuff when i'm older oh mm -hmm. i want the people to have as much fun as i'm having right now and being provided with sandboxes like Gary's Mod, having games with fantastic modding tools like Doom, uh, and just overall easy game development tools has just really allowed me to play around with so many different things. Um, and now, more recently, I've been part of Nintendo 64 Homebrew. That is a thing, apparently. Uh, the Nintendo 64 is quite notorious for being difficult to program for. But, you know, it's the sort of thing that you, you just keep hammering through it and you learn so much, so much. Uh, people really have it better off nowadays for game development. Back then when everything was more low level, uh, <laughs> there are quite a lot of roadblocks to deal with things that we really take for granted nowadays and it's been a fantastic experience working on that yeah being so, around the nice night dive studio guys uh, who've been working on the doom 64 port yeah they've they've been complaining about uh and 64 a lot yeah it is a very very weird system the most annoying thing is the fact that everything about almost everything about it is proprietary in some way just just the fact that the graphics chip is proprietary makes it very difficult to make stuff work on it um and nintendo is known also for keeping everything in locked vaults and yeah it, it it's not it, it it's there's a good reason why this uh, Nintendo games especially don't have fantastic emulation just because of how stupidly complex the systems get. Oh by the way, speaking of Doom 64, since you've mentioned that you your uh, console of choice was Nintendo 64, was Doom 64 actually your first uh contact with Doom? Uh funnily enough, no. I uh, I only ever started playing Doom 64 maybe two years ago. That was like my first chance to play it on the actual system because when I was a stupid kid, I could never get Doom 64 EX to work because I didn't know what a ROM was. So I was just like, I want to run the executable and it doesn't work. Um, and then I just never really bothered with it again. And because I started working on N64 games, I had to get a development flashcard. And with flashcard means I can run ROMs that I personally dumped, by the way. Uh, and I got my chance to play Doom 64 for the first time about two years ago. So my N64 was also a hand-me-down from my cousins. So the games that we had for that were pretty much just whatever they had. And Doom 64 or and first-person shooters, for the most part, were not really part of that game collection uh we had super mario 64 we had like four different racing games uh we had mystical ninja 2 my personal favorite game for the system and maybe one or two other weirder platformers like starshot 64 
Yeah, see, I was a little bit like you. Nintendo 64, I mean, I had a Super Nintendo, right? But I think I was like four or five, and uh, I poured strawberry milk into it, and it completely ruined it. <laughs> something <laughs> something stupid that my parents still bring up. Um, but I somehow managed to bypass Doom 64. And I, I mean, I played like Quake, and I had Duke Nukem 64. Um, you know, stuff like uh, Banjo-Kazooie. St- I mean... Diddy Kong Racing, like I think, I think if I if I looked back on all the systems I had, I think Nintendo sixty four is still my favorite. And the quality of games that they had, like they weren't overly complicated necessarily, but there's just this f- fun factor that I feel like they they were unable to like match when you started getting into GameCube and even uh, the dreaded Wii, you know. Um, but I I think like I don't know, I just think. Nintendo 64 is really where it's at. And I mean, if you're still if you're still working on that, I mean, when you say you're part of the team, like explain that to me because I I don't really know what is it that you're working on with them right now or you know, what what is that kind of stuff that you're working on because I might have to uh I might have to pay you to do some stuff for me. Uh yeah. So the there's this famous phrase which is uh limitation breeds creativity. And that very much applies to the Nintendo 64. It has some really annoying limitations. Uh, Cartridge, uh, since the console is a cartridge-based system, uh, games were usually very small. The biggest games that you got for the system were 64 megabytes. And from the top of my head, I can only name two of them. One, which was Resident Evil, uh, Resident Evil 2, which had uh, full motion video. So most of the cartridge space is just because of the full motion video. And the second game I can think of is Conquer 64, which was released almost at the end of the N64's life. And the main reason that uh, there's a lot of limitations with just 64 megabytes was that um, most, most developers didn't end up using more than 32 because memory was very expensive at the time. Uh, and that kind of limited how crazy you could go with many things. So I think there was a lot more focus in making the games themselves as fun as possible to, uh, instead of just like making super long games that are graphically complex. Also not not that they could do much with the system. Uh, for instance, the texture memory on the um, on the N sixty four is four kilobytes. For reference, that means that textures can be up to thirty two by thirty two, which is tiny. Um, so you usually see a lot of games using tiling heavily, but there are different ways that you can sort of have a little bit more wiggle room within that thirty two by thirty two, where you reduce the amount of colors or use palettes. Uh, so again, there's like all sorts of different creative approaches with this very limited machine. That's probably why I think you had more fun games for that system. Well, I also is that also why like I played Donkey Kong sixty four, but you I think you always had to add something like an extra piece of memory in order to play that. Yeah, so the N sixty four only has four megabytes of RAM, which is usually enough. 
the funny thing is the 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 cartridge almost kind of works like a RAM thing because it's so fast compared to reading from a CD. So you could all you can stream in quotation marks stuff from the cartridge. Uh, with Donkey Kong sixty four, they needed to put uh, you need to have an expansion pack which doubled the amount of memory to eight megabytes on the system. Uh, the the story that goes with the um, with the with Donkey Kong 64 was the fact that there was a bug that Rareware couldn't figure out what the problem what was causing it but they found out that if the system had more memory the crash was less likely to happen so with 4 megabytes the game would like crash after 20 minutes but with 8 megabytes it would only crash after like 20 hours so they shipped the game with the expansion pack on purpose because they couldn't figure out in time how to get around that bug. Man, awesome. they were doing this 20 <laughs> years ago. Where was Cyberpunk? Were they taking notes during this time? Come on. Uh, and to answer what exactly we do, so I mostly, so the, uh, I mostly work by myself. Um, I've always been kind of the person to want to learn to do everything by myself. Not that I'm particularly great at anything in specific. I've always considered myself to be a bit of a jack of all trades. Uh, I can draw stuff. I'm not very good at it. I can compose music. I'm not very good at it. The only thing I'm pretty decent enough at is programming, and that's because I've been doing it since I was a kid. Um, but, uh, recently we, we had a game jam. We organized a game jam over there at the, at the, at the server, the N64 homebrew server. And it was really, it was really cool to work with the staff and making such a thing, such a crazy idea possible. Cause when you think of N64, you don't really think of new games being released this year. And there is another thing that I'm working on that I can't speak too much about. There's non-disclosure agreements for this sort of stuff. But I am currently working with a team on restoring an, a game that uh, was canceled. There was some development put into it, but it was canceled. Uh, again, I can't really talk too much about it, but you, when, it, when it's out, you probably know that I worked on it. Your particular well, that, brand will show off, right? Yeah. Eh, I'm not sure if it will really be my brand. It's just that, uh, again, you don't really get much N64 nowadays. So when you see unreleased N64 game suddenly gets a release, it's, uh, it's a bit weird, to say the least. Well, I think, too, you want to talk about innovation, like what they're doing right now with the Switch... Uh, you know, if you like, for example, take Pokemon Stadium, right? I used to play uh, Pokemon on the Game Boy, and you could take your Pokemon, your your Game Boy cartridge, plug it into the N64 controller, and bam, you can play Pokemon Red through Pokemon Stadium on the N64. I mean, to me, I just think it's like I, I don't know. I hold it in such high esteem, and like you know, when I when I was growing up, all my friends had Playstations and stuff, so they don't really share my my love of Nintendo sixty four. But I mean, it's it's super cool to hear that you're still working on stuff. Yeah, Nintendo's always been really awesome with their hardware side. Uh, 
They've always been willing to go the extra mile when a lot of other companies just played a bit more safe. I mean, they were literally the first people to introduce VR. It was terrible, but I mean, it was a cool idea that we see a lot nowadays. Um, and they always try to find different ways to innovate with their consoles, which I really like. The Wii with the, um, with the motion stick, the Wii U, which had the separate screen, and then that eventually evolved into the, the Switch, which um, I recently played my uh, Switch game for the first time. My brother got a Switch for... He bought it for himself, and uh, he brought it over for Christmas. And yeah, it was such a cool idea to see you can remove the controllers and you can put them in different ways or hold them in uh, specific ways to change up the gameplay. Uh, for instance, the N64 has like a really weird three-prong controller, which is interesting because it means that you can hold it in different ways, but you don't really see games use- using that on the system. The only one I can think of would be Mario Party, uh, but that was only for very specific mini games. Yeah, and then I mean Mario Party also had that that thing where you can use the microphone, and then like you never had a microphone to use, so you just skipped whatever that mini game was. Yeah. By the way, uh, when we're talking about your work on uh, the homebrew, uh, how exactly is this uh, supported by actual Nintendo? Uh, like, it's not at all, or or do they kind of tolerate its its existence? Because they're famously protective of their of their brands. Yeah, that's a very good question, dude. To be honest, um, they are very protective. But from what I've seen, it's mostly on specifically fan games. If you try to use their licenses in a way that they didn't agree to, they'll usually be annoyed about that, and that's why we get a lot of famous stories of people making fantastic fan made games that then get. Um, cease and desisted by Nintendo but I don't think they've ever really cared about homebrew like it's interesting because last year we had or two years ago I've been on the N64 scene for uh, long enough that I've kind of forgotten how dates work now they're all blending together but we had the the Super Mario 64 decompilation project that just came out of the left field it was published and the source code is still out there. Like, on GitHub, Nintendo hasn't done anything about it. So there's a very specific line between, like, uh, just making their content more available to the public. They tolerate, would tolerate that, but like, creating extra work that feeds off their brands is totally off, off limits. Yeah, I think that's the case. We had one user in our server who tried to get in contact with Nintendo and asked for permission to to use like the SDK, and they just simply responded back saying, "Sorry, we just don't support it anymore," and just left it at that. So we're all, we're kind of in the dark, but we we don't expect them to bring like a hammer on everything we've been working on. Neat. Yeah. Thank God. So, uh, segueing a little bit, obviously, uh, you know, I mentioned Doomware at the beginning of the episode, but you were inspired by WarioWare. So I imagine, speaking about Nintendo, that there's a, a natural thread, you know, to link. Um, when did you start becoming and playing a fan, like playing WarioWare, becoming a fan of that? 
Um, because I think for me, I, I, I don't know, I'm not brushed up on my WarioWare history, but I had one for the Game Boy Color. Um, but that's the last time I think I ever played any kind of WarioWare game. Yeah, uh, so on the Nintendo DS I mentioned, they have this little, they had the DSi shop, which they served like little mini game stuff um, that you could like purchase for Nintendo points or something like that. And there was this little game called Bioro, which you play this little bird that just eats seeds as they're falling from the sky. And Pioro was a mini game in WarioWare on the GBA. And so wanting to know a little bit more about this little bird, I found out about the WarioWare games for the GBA and I played them on an emulator because I was smart enough to know how to use an emulator because I'm playing Doom, but I'm not smart enough to, you know, put a ROM to get Doom 64 EX working. Uh, and I got the chance to play that WarioWare and that was pretty much the only WarioWare I played for quite a lot of years. Um, and I really just like how chaotic the whole experience is. And I, knowing that Doom is this like super fast-paced kind of thing, I thought, you know, maybe these two could work together. And um, was there like, uh, okay, so let's put this into perspective. Like, when when did you actually sort of like join the community, if I may ask? Like, I mean, the, the Zendronum community in particular. So my first contact with Doom started with Z-Doom, where I got, I seeing that like Doom had this uh, possibility of creativity on it. I started investigating a little bit more about like um, modding for the uh, for the system, like uh, for for the source ports, and uh, I started with playing things like Mass Mouth, those like classic wads, legends, and yeah, the legendary ones. And I eventually found out, wait, you can play this on multiplayer using something called Skull Tag. And with Skull Tag, I was introduced to Ghouls versus Humans which is this thing that just completely changes the game. And I was like, whoa, you can do something like this? That's incredible. Eventually, uh, I, I mostly played just Doom when I, when I was about a kid and dabbled a little bit in mapping. But I never really investigated too much into like modding it in the scale of something like Ghouls versus Humans because I was always more interested in making my own games using things like Game Maker, having more full control over my, my projects. And eventually Zandronum happened. And I decided to, you know, maybe use this chance to properly learn how to, how to make multiplayer stuff. Because uh, I find that multiplayer component is always the more interesting one because it's less predictable. Um, multiplayer matches are just like that, especially in Doom. So uh, Doomware was probably one of my first ideas for for making stuff in Zandronum. And if I remember correctly, like the very first version of Doomware had like 10 mini games or something. And they were always repeating themselves and it wasn't very, it wasn't super interesting, but I just kept iterating over and over on that. And well, now we're currently at 90 mini games. I don't know how that happened. 
what I mean is that, like, yeah, this, this, so you you went uh, far enough into history to to actually, uh, you know, being remembering school, school tech before it became Zendronum. Uh, and then there was uh, because when I was researching some of the history for for the for the Gek Award, there was an interesting mod called uh, Icon of Party, which does something similar uh, as uh, Doomware, but you can see how how very imperfect it is. I didn't know about it before because I, I think it's fairly fairly unknown even in the community, uh, and it basically does. Uh, a mini game per map, so you actually change maps and then you play the mini game on a map, then you switch to another map, which is really, really like uh, grinds down the pace. Uh, and I- I'm wondering, did you even know about this one, <laughs> or was this just completely like a, a, an obscure point in history? <laughs> Yeah, I never knew about Icon of Party until someone asked about it in one of my Doomware threads on either Doomworld or Zandronum forums. Uh, Someone's like, yo, is this like Icon of Party? I'm like, what the heck is Icon of Party? And I went and investigated and I was like, wow, there's so much here and I've never heard of this. Because usually when you think of Doom multiplayer, you think of deathmatch stuff. Yeah, and there's so many side projects, weird stuff that gets played for maybe a few months and then gets forgotten by history. I'm so amazed. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the two things that you see a lot are either Deathmatch or Jump Maze, which is also kind of mirrors how it is in other communities. Like, for instance, Counter-Strike. They have the the bunny hopping things and the surfing things. And then they have other things like uh, the zombie survival. And that's about it. And the rest is just the normal game modes that come with Counter-Strike. So basically, you, you had this idea uh, just based on your N64 background and, and your affinity to WarriorWare. And like, because your approach is completely different and completely like superior to what they did. It's just, it's just sort of like funny that there was, there were earlier attempts that failed probably also due to the exactly your your uh hurdles that you've actually uh overcome like the the pacing which is a major one yeah i think putting everything into one map is was ultimately the good i the best decision i made for how to handle doomware because again just means that i can quickly swap between mini games without there being much waiting time Yes, just so the listeners know, the entirety of Doomware is on one map. Well, there's the intro map, and then the, there's the actual map, and all of the mini games are like uh, in separate areas. So you teleport players between these areas with uh, ACS, right? Yeah, um, it was ultimately the best decision for the pacing of the game mode. But for how the the Doom source port engines work, it is not the most fun thing to deal with. I can tell you that much. Yeah, like, I, I assume right now it's a giant behemoth that that like breaks if you sneeze at it. Well, it used to be. Thankfully, the newer versions of the of the 
the source code are a lot better. So I started Doomware in around 2016, I'd say, maybe a little bit earlier. I don't quite remember right. And uh, that was like my first time trying to program a full game mode in ACS. I did dabble around with ACS before. I, again, I've made small map projects that I just never ended up publishing. But I always try to use ACS in some way because I found the, the concept of being able to change up the level quite interesting and having scripted sequences a la something like Half-Life in, in Doom. Uh, and the, the original code base was such, such a mess. Because uh, I, uh, I didn't even know about things like script names. So everything was just a bunch of script numbers that I just had mm-hmm. to memorize. Um, then I did a small like revision of the code base in around version 1.6, I think, of Doomware. Because I noticed that it was a mess and needed some cleaning up. And I managed to consolidate a bunch of things into separate scripts. Like the, the mini-games before they were all in just one big if statement. So if minigame one, do this. Else if minigame two, do this. Yeah, not, not fantastic. So um, as I was approaching version 1.8, I was like, okay, this thing is a complete mess. I know a lot more now about ACS than I did a few years ago. So I'm just going to completely rewrite this thing. And ultimately, that was a very good decision because it is. I I think it's pretty stable. I think the code base isn't as too much of a mess. There's still things that I'd like to clean up about it. You can always find things that you can stick into functions and consolidate to avoid repeating your code. But I do. I'm very happy with how it's turned out like this. Also, now um, being able to write it all over again let me properly comment and uh, document the entire game mode instead right, of that's that's something I, I very much appreciated when I just peeked into the code <laughs> as a programmer well documented code is the best and I was like with your comments right now I, I was sort of wondering was that for uh, for like the future users uh, sake or was that also for your sake to to remember what everything does? <laughs> A little bit of both. Um, so I know a lot of people. I know people in the programming community have a lot of uh, very interesting opinions about everything. There's always lots of things that people like to complain about. One of them is how you should use comments in your code. I personally like to stick a, if the, if I write a block of code with like two or three lines, I like to stick a comment at the top because I know that a lot of people are not great at reading code, myself included. Even I make mistakes when I'm reading code. So I like to always stick a comment and say exactly what this block of code does, just so that if someone who wants to learn how stuff works, they can follow the the logic of the program without needing to know how to read the code itself. There's lots of different, like, operators and um, functions that are sort of obscure, like someone who's starting out and they see a plus plus, they're probably going to get a bit confused. So having some comment explaining what that little section of your code is doing will help them understand, oh, okay, maybe this plus plus seems to be like an increment or something. Yeah, so uh, you beginner coders out there, if, if you want to make your own mod, 
you can peek into the code of uh, Doomware and you will get your intros. I also like to open source all my stuff. So I have a GitHub and I just recently put Doomware on that GitHub. I'm actually surprised it took me this long to put it there. But I also recently found out that GitHub has Wikipedia pages, uh, wiki pages. And I'm using that currently to also have a separate documentation for Doomware. So if someone, for instance, wants to add new mini games, they can just check the wiki and I can have a step-by-step -step tutorial written there of how to make your own mini games for Doomware. I, I, documentation is super important and a lot of people don't like doing it. I, I spend just as much time on my documentation as I do my code. That's how important I think documentation is. And, and that's amazing, actually, to eventually have an ability for someone, you know, like a simpleton like me to come in and go, oh, I want to have a game mode of my own. I was actually going to ask you, how did you come up with some of the game modes? I mean, you've got, you know, you've got stuff that resembles like Mario Kart, and then you've got, you know, you're kind of your... You know, like, like, okay, you got to look at the numbers and, and yeah, do some math, which is, you know, for some of us a little difficult and make sure that you actually can add stuff. But, um, yeah, I was wondering, like, you know, do you use any games that, you, that you've played in the past as kind of an inspiration for game modes? Or, um, you know, are you open for requests? Uh, you know, how do you go through that process? Uh, so Doomware's development process is very chaotic which I think is very fitting for the kind of game mode that it is. Um, there's, it's, a, it's a hodgepodge of ideas and just random, random references or just things that I like from other places and I just stick them into one big mess, the code base. Um, so for instance, there's a, I, I thought that, I think Mass Mouth, for instance, was one of those really big and important wads. It was certainly one of the first big wads I played. So I thought it, Hey, you know, it's sort of, I think I should make some sort of homage to Mass Mouth. So I have a, a Mass Mouth minigame in there. It's, um, it's the one that confuses people the most because a lot of multiplayer people don't know what Mass Mouth is and like, what, what the hell? Worm? What the hell is a worm? Yeah, I'm also really surprised by that one. Um, to me, Mass Mouth is like, how do you not know Mass Mouth? It's such an important one. Uh, but again, like, because uh, the multiplayer people stick very much to their thing. Uh, they like deathmatch. They like these sort of hyper fast competitive things. So you don't really get many different. Like uh, things like Mass Mouth, I, uh, so they become a bit. Uh, I can't quite get the word for that. Doesn't matter. <laughs> There's also uh, uh, an homage to to do it. <laughs> ah, so, yes, the yeah. I I, I forgot what that wad was called. Yes, there is. So so you actually are tapped into like a, a lot of the the famous meme words of of the past. So is is that like uh how how you come up with the new uh new mini games like whatever uh the memeiest idea of the moment is? Yeah, I mean I I I follow a lot of different things. Uh I'm I'm always I've always considered myself a bit of a lurker. Uh I don't talk too much. I just kind of observe silently from the background. 
So I see all these crazy, stupid things being done. Um, Do It was a very, is a very good example of that. It's such a stupid idea, and I just love it for that. Um, we were talking about the how, um, how I like great ideas for it, weren't we? Uh, I, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, the origins of the various uh mini games like obviously you you get some of them from uh from famous uh projects or joke words or whatever uh some are probably pinched from warioware itself (laughs) like the 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 side scroller right that's that's an interesting one and probably one uh, you want to talk about a bit? Yeah, so the side scroll one is actually I got that idea from this little indie game I played called Bittrip Runner. Uh, specifically, I played the sequel Bittrip Runner Two, and it's it's an auto runner game which has like a hundred different controls, which makes the gameplay very interesting because you have to constantly juggle between a bunch of keys and remember what does what. And I wanted to sort of expand on that for that runner level on um, in Doomware, but it's I kind of dealing also with the fact that Doomware runs in Xandronum, so there is a slight delay when you press the jump button, and that constantly messes people up in that game mode. It messes me up in that uh, mini right. game. It's, it's it's the second hardest one. <laughs> yeah. And it actually gets to a point where it becomes impossible because of your ping, because you you press the button and it takes at least a hundred milliseconds for the server to respond. So you don't have you, there's not enough time for your character to be able to make the jump. And it I I really like the idea of that game mode of that mini game, and I wanted to expand on it, but it just doesn't work. And I don't, but I constantly try to like slightly maneuver the level and just to make it easier but uh not impossible but uh, i really really don't want to scrap that one there was so much work yeah it, uh, it's it's a fun one it's just yeah it's so hard it's it's also really cruel to those of us that have carpal tunnel and will eventually uh develop arthritis i cannot well, you... win that game to save my life well that's it... probably do you also lose the the clean your gun Mini game, <laughs> you know, I have to like get into an angle whenever I see that one. So sometimes I lose it. Yeah, uh, I actually cheat in that one specifically because I'm on a laptop, so I can click my mouse and my trackpad at the same time, and that gives me double the work. You know, I, I was. <laughs> is there something like auto auto fire for for mouse? Uh, no, but if you bind fire to mouse wheel, I think you can also get the same idea. <laughs> You know, I always wondered because I can create something, but I could suck at it. But you created something, and you're great at it all the time. Now I'm learning all your little secrets. Yeah, um, it's actually interesting that you bring up difficulty in Doomware because it is probably the hardest part of getting the wad in the in a state that I'm happy with. Because when people first play Doomware, it is a bit of like sensory overload. Um, again, because I don't think people are used to warrior like things in Doom, and you're suddenly told, okay, do this, okay, do that, now you have to do that. 
they're just like, what? I'm barely processing what I just did five minutes ago. And you're telling me now to completely change my play style to from um, yeah. deathmatch to now I have to do some sort of jump maze thing. And yeah, it takes a bit for people to get used to it. And so it makes it really hard for me because there's such a big skill gap between people who are just starting out and people who are really, really good at Doomware. There are some people out there who are much better Doomware than I am. And there was one name that is yeah, absurd. No reason yeah. would be another guy. <laughs> yeah, especially Azrael, because he runs the Gods of Doomware uh, clan. He is very, very good at Doomware. And there's always this delicate balancing act between making the, the game mode challenging for these people, but not so challenging that the newer players can't react or cope with things in time. Like for uh, sometimes it's easy enough to deal with it. Other times it's just you have to get better at Doomware. Like for Honestly, instance, as a as a new player, when I was dragged into it, I was just sort of like in the first few games, I was just dragged by whatever was happening. I was just following the plot. Just okay, I I didn't get this one. Okay, the next one because you can you can if if you just don't get it, what's happening? You you can you will get to restart in about 15 seconds. So it's not such a big deal if you don't get something right. And honestly, if you're a beginner, you, you won't win anyway. So you're just glad that you got a point, that you won a mini game. So it doesn't matter that much. Then you get into the process of actually getting better and competing and stuff. That's when, that's when you get actually pissed off that you can't... Uh, finish some of these mini games because yeah that's the get good uh, stage and so i think it you shouldn't be too wor uh, much worried about you know some mini games being harder than others they don't have to be balanced yeah that is a fair point like um the the hellforge server they've been doing doomware weekends for a bit now and it's been very, very interesting seeing, for instance, Bridgeburner, who, who streams his uh, playthroughs of the WAD with everyone else. It's been interesting seeing him, for instance, struggle with this one minigame, which is like this factory that's like flamethrowers and crushers. And oh, yeah. Yeah, people really struggle with that one. I can always manage to do it first try. Uh, and it's been interesting seeing, for instance, Bridgeburner struggle a lot with that, not even getting past the first crushers to eventually being able to do the entire course. And he was really happy when, when he managed that. I, remem I remember that reaction very well. I mean, I was definitely frustrated that I couldn't win the Colossus because that's something I, I absolutely need to be dominating. I mean, with, with like my background. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that one, I was really mad when I was in the get good stage. Yeah, the Colossus mini game, uh, Shadow of the Colossus is one of my absolute favorite games of all time, which, so I kind of had to put a reference in it in somewhere in Doomware. And that one could use a little bit of work. The, the, the maze kind of gets a little bit confusing because the, the trick to that one is that you have to to the back of the Colossus. 
because that's how you're supposed to do it in the original game. But obviously, not everyone has played Shadow of the Colossus, and they struggle a bit with the with that pathing of the, of the thing. Uh, the only the only way I can really get around that is making certain paths a bit more impossible, so that you know, okay, I can't really go this way. But when you have a twenty second timer to do the entire mini game, I feel like a lot of people just end up panicking over that, and they don't really pay attention to those smaller, um, like map nudges kind of thing. What, what if what if you just place uh, like. Uh... Do something mappers do in in regular maps, and just just place health bonuses on the correct path. If they yeah. they they don't do anything, but they show a path. Yeah, or using texturing a bit better Maybe, to yeah. indicate to indicate the path to go. Um, there's some mini games that I'm surprised people struggle with so much. Like there's a RuneScape one, which is literally just there's a color on your screen hit the thing that has the color on the screen. And a lot of people just pay attention more to the words of this is the instructions, mine this specific or, instead of paying attention to the fact that it's color-coded. And they just they just see mine iron. They're like, what the heck is iron? And I'm like, I let's have... just, just look at the color. I have never won that minigame. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I mean. To, for me, at least, it seems a bit obvious, but... It uh, when when you that's kind of the cool thing about uh, feedback is you you give it to people who never who have never experienced things in the same way you have, and you you get to see what their instincts are like, and yeah, it looks like that one really really needs some work, especially because there are colorblind people and uh, the reds and grays kind of start mixing a bit together. Yeah, I mean, in terms of feedback, so, I mean, okay, I have to say, you know, you you mentioned that you're a bit of a you're a bit of a lurker, you know, you don't typically get involved in things, but I think for me, I was not really aware, and shame on me, really, but I was not aware of Doomware until we started the MDF, and I think you came into our server and you started, um, you know, you said, oh, hey guys, I this is my project or you know whatever you said. <laughs> And we checked it out. And we were like, "Why?" Me personally, I was like, "Why the hell have I never heard of this before?" You know, this is, seems like so much fun. And I think we we've set up a couple, you know, a couple sessions where we played. Um, you know, we got people involved, and hopefully, you've gotten some good feedback out of that. But it, it kind of started like a really cool relationship where you are now essentially, you know, you're a council member in the MDF, and you're a part of a lot of our events. And you know, I just think it was it's so cool to have something like that happen. And it makes me kind of sad that, you know, there are probably so many projects like this that just never get realized or they, they never get the support that they need. Um, but I guess my point in saying all of this is that, you know, some of the sessions that we've had, the Doomware sessions, I mean, I think the one we did in October, the one I, I spoke about earlier, the Halloween themed one was like four hours long and people were just going and going and going. I mean, it's some of the most fun that I've ever had playing. And it I think it really is so innovative, like you said. Um, people are so used to deathmatch, and there's not a lot of brain power that, that's involved in, you know, clicking a button and killing someone. Uh, you know, I know it's fast-paced, but you're kind of just, you've got one goal. And Doomware kind of flips everything that Doom players know upside down, and they it, it makes them... 
you know, it, it makes them think on their feet. And I just think it's really fun. And I, you know, I was curious. Um, I'm not sure if we ever really talked about this, but I was curious what led you to, uh, you know, join the MDF server and become involved. And, you know, has the feedback been, you know, is there is there another avenue we could take to get better feedback for you? Is there is there something that we're missing, you know, with um, with the advertisement, you know, that kind of thing? Well, jumping into that, I I basically like I needed to uh, evaluate Doomware for uh, for the Kekords because I wasn't part of those MDF sessions. So I asked Dime uh, that yeah he would, Dime was like I, I need I need an idea for for a, a multiplayer event this weekend. So I was like yeah you're asking the right person because I need to play Doomware. So so he actually contacted the Hellforge people. And that's how the first <laughs> Hellforge session was run, and it took uh took up from that because Hellforge is now really like in love with with uh, Doomware. So I probably am answering <laughs> Bones' <laughs> question in here a bit, but yeah, go on, Boo. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I don't think I think it doesn't help the fact that I lurk. So people don't really know me for much. And so when I create a thread, and for instance, like something like Doomworld, it will very quickly get buried by just other really big mapping projects known from, from other famous people. And the Zandronum forums are a little bit of a graveyard at this point because Zandronum hasn't had updates in quite some time. And so I'm assume, I'm assuming that's the main reason why the no one really knew about Doomware for a while. Um, there was a user combine bot MT who who ran Doomware for an FNF event. He's been wanting to do it for a while because he saw when I originally posted it in um in the Zan, in the Zandronum forums. And uh, that was like the first time I actually got like a lot of feedback from Doom from Doomware, because uh, we had lots of people go uh, go on join in play for a bit, and then eventually I heard that MDF was hosting was now going to start hosting the FNF sessions, and so I kind of hopped into the server and I was like, you know, they enjoyed it. Maybe these guys will enjoy it too. Who knows? So I pushed in the idea over here, and I'm I'm happy that people seem to to enjoy it. That does seem to be the sort of consensus. Is I I the someone discovers Doomware, and they seem to really really like it for some reason, and then they just want to play more of it. I guess that that seems to have happened with the, with here and with Elforge. It's sort of like uh, also uh, like. 2020 was a breakout year for it and i sort of think that you should ha- uh, you should thank the pandemic because it's a it's a party game that works over the internet it's like not a party game in the uh warrior wear style where you're sitting on a couch with your friends and you're like needling each other it's actually like a uh 
a Discord chat thing that you're you're on the same chat channel with everyone and everyone's shouting really loud and <laughs> just screaming about their uh, inability to read instructions. And is it just tapped into the zeitgeist sort of? Yeah, you're actually that's actually a very good thing that I haven't really considered is the fact that people just are now more uh, they're home a lot more and they need something to to kind of relax a bit and doomware is just something that it's an excuse for them to get with friends and get annoyed at each other right because it's also like a leveler because it's not something like a strictly competitive as deathmatch where uh, the grind and the the skill shines through like Nearly anyone who's played enough Doomware can win an actual full game if they're lucky enough. <laughs> uh, it's been interesting because, for instance, when I create a server to tr- test out one of my newer versions of Doomware, uh, and I stay in the server for a few minutes to see if anyone will join in, eventually someone does. They play for like three minutes. They're like, what the fuck is this? And then they just kind of leave without saying anything. That's a little bit disheartening because it it makes me feel like they they didn't enjoy the game mode. Uh, sometimes it can be funny. There there was one incident where we had a user join in, and then the mini game that played right after that was the Terry Wad one. Uh, and they they just left right after that happened. Uh, they probably didn't get a very good impression of the wad. Yeah, the, these troll servers. Yeah, Damn so, <laughs> so I can I can imagine that Doomware isn't as fun of an experience if you're not playing it with friends. Because uh, because again, because it's so such a fast game mode, you don't have enough time to like type if something happened. Uh, yeah. So that kind of reduces the the chance for you to be to interact with the with the other players and curse at them and whatever. Yeah, you basically want your friends to drag you into the server without knowing anything, and then you just you just scream in in the chat like uh, in the vo- voice channel like what what the hell is this why why I I don't have this key even bound what the hell. Yeah, um, but the for feedback, the these more regular sessions that have been happening at Hellforge, whenever you guys run it here in MDF, uh, people are always pretty happy when when they get the chance to play with their friends and enjoy it. They usually are pretty happy to to give me feedback after the session. Uh, it, there are post there's a there's a Doom World and Xandronum forums posts for Doomware. Uh, and they don't get a lot of attention. So um, I, I've tried finding ways to get people to give me feedback. There, it, there's like different. Uh, there's at least three different ways for you to know how to contact me in Doomware. It shows up in the speed up hints. It shows up in the menu. It shows up in F1. But I no one really uses that stuff. So I think just running sessions is the best way to get feedback for this. Just get people directly involved with the yeah. With because the I, I noticed that if you're uh, like in the sessions and you play with with all of the people, there will always be someone who will be throwing ideas at you suddenly. Like yeah, yeah, this this mini game should be should be tweaked. Like this should be 
uh, a little bit easier, or that should be a little bit harder. Like you should have the staff for this one. Yeah, that's why I really, really try to participate in as many of these as I can. Uh, sometimes it's not always possible because I'm a student and I have student life stuff to deal with. Um, but other than that, I always, always try to make to these sessions because I get, I get to directly see how people interact with it, and they usually have it's an easy avenue for them to give me feedback. That's really just the best way I've seen to to get people to talk to me. So how close are you to actually being done? Because you've been talking about like like reaching the the 100 uh, mini games as as your goal, and will that really be uh, when it's done? 1.0 or whatever it will be, and and then it's over. Or or will uh, no, you be doing DLCs forever? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so with game development. Yeah, so I've I've previously said multiple times that the 100 mini games mark is just something I arbitrarily set because uh, Doomware has been in a perpetual cycle of development for over four years, and I need to set a cutoff at some point. And 100 mini games sounded like a good number. It's nice and round, and the fact that you play 25 round mini games in a single match of Doomware means that with a hundred mini games you will quickly exhaust all the different mini games in just four rounds you it's unlikely that will happen but it, it can happen so a hundred mini games to me sounds like a good number there was more to your question but again I don't remember what it was <laughs> yeah I was talking that yeah do you plan on actually like Oh, adding yeah. adding more mini games at a more leisurely play, uh, pace uh, in the future, like yeah. or are you done? One hundred and it's over. And so to answer your other question about if it will be done at that point, uh, probably not. It's it, it, you're never always finished with your projects. It's why Star Wars is still getting re-releases every year. <laughs> yeah. um, I hopefully Doomware doesn't become like that. But um, it's always I always like the chance to go back and um, just add a little bit extra to the games. Maybe I suddenly just remember some really cool thing that I wanted to do and didn't get the chance, and I'll be happy to do that. And in fact, one of the things that I want to do for when I do finish the first version of Doomware is making a second map so that people can have an easier time adding in new minigames. Because I did mention oh, that... Nice. Yeah, I did mention that the the fact that it's all in one map is a bit of a pain. And the biggest, biggest hurdle of that is thing IDs and sector tags. I I know most of the thing IDs and sector tags, but not all of them. And someone who has never played, who has never like looked at the code for Doomware... Uh, they are going to have a very hard time knowing what numbers they're allowed to use and which ones they aren't. So having a second map that's just a blank state, I think is the best way for me to like allow this to be further expanded. So we can have like all the mini game, all the classic unquote mini games in one map, and then have a second map for more auxiliary extra community 
or my own idea mini games in there. Um, like filter out the, the unpopular ones or something like that. And yeah, yeah, you can use that to the thematic to... ones like map two will be uh, for Halloween uh, themes. Map three will be for Christmas themes. Yeah, that, that, that's all. On, that's all on the table. Um, Going to mention something about that, which now better, I can't you better remember. have a Greedo shot first. Uh, sort of message. <laughs> Um, there, there is a Alderaan shot first uh, speed up <laughs> joke in there somewhere. Uh, ah, yeah, now I remember. And the fact that you have to like remember all these thing IDs and stuff is very annoying. So, like you mentioned, how, uh, so people are teleported into each arena, and I have two different ways to teleport them. Either a, I use the center point of the main arena as a sort of offset position, and I can teleport other people to another minigame area based off of how far away they were from the center of the, of the main hub. And that's cool because it lets me use a single thing ID for, for moving everyone. The downside is the fact that the, the place that they get teleported into needs to at least have the same size as the arena itself. Hmm. The, o- the other option is to have an individual I- uh, like um, thing with a separate thing ID on each one and teleport each individual player onto one of those. It's the reason that the game mode has the 16-player limit. It's literally because... I I only have 16 teleport spots for oh, yeah. everyone. And it would explode exponentially once yeah. you start <laughs> and adding more. Yeah, and the, the worst part about that is the fact that there are certain things in Doom Builder, and I'm not necessarily saying it's Doom Builder's fault. It could be just how it is handled in ZDoom, that they only use um, bytes for certain things. And so there's... Uh, some like sector um, actions that have a hard-coded 255 limit. And so that means that there are certain thing IDs that I can't use for, for like teleporting or whatnot because those will need to be used for something else that falls within those limits the, of, the, of Doom Builder. All right, so do we move... To Dominatrix? Yeah, I think that was your your project from from last year. Um, that I think Marque kind of let me in on it. You know, he was like, "Hey, we're working on something really cool," uh, and I think it's it's so unique. We've we've run a couple things on it, but basically, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, you can take these ACS points. You know, you can basically take any map, and you can put all these control points. So let's say you wanted to have a King of the Hill game on Duango 5 map 1, you know, you could put ACS points wherever you wanted on that map and you could make it work, which I think is so cool because, you know, some of these other game modes are like, they're just limited to the maps that people make when the game mode gets released. And then if it's not really a hit, you know, you don't really get any progress on that. On that. So this kind of changes the game, you know, it changes everything about it, which I think is really super cool and innovative. 
Oh, je- by the way, just just to uh, let you know, I, I because I wasn't always, uh, you know, having the time to play, so I wasn't on the Dominatrix train. So I tried to find it on YouTube if there's some some footage. So if you type Doom Dominatrix, uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think Food Slave Worship from Mistress Doom is it. <laughs> yeah. Just <a> <laughs> Yeah, so Dominatrix was uh, Markic's idea uh, initially. He got in touch with me because um, he saw that I did stuff for Doomware and I can I kind of know my way around ACS. And he presented me with the idea of get of reviving domination for for Doom, but getting it working on other maps through injection scripts. And I quite like the idea. I'm quite a fan of control point game modes. Uh, on the PS2, one of the games I played a ton was Star Wars Battlefront, and uh, the control points, um, the they're called Co- uh, Conquest, I think, is the name of the game mode. There, it, there's a different name for this in every single uh, every single game. Uh, the the way that it's handled there, I quite enjoy, and I sort of I was like, yeah, you know what? I think this will also work well in Doom. Especially because because um, we move so fast, we can quickly rotate the all the control points. And uh, I worked on that for uh, maybe two months. And uh, one of the things that we wanted to get working with Dom- with Dominatrix was the fact that it could work on other source ports as well, and not just be limited to Xandronum. Because the Doom community likes being very specific with their stuff. Some people are diehard Odomex fans. Others are diehard Z Damon fans. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with giving people as many options as possible. So I, um, the Z Doom, GZ Doom multiplayer component is there. It, I, it's not very tested since GZ Doom doesn't really have, uh, like, multiplayer working 100%. But yeah, it's, to it's get peer to peer, basically, which yeah, is pretty weird. Uh, I tested it with bots, and it seemed to be working. I I think I don't know, but with the Z Damon version, Z Damon doesn't support Decorate, which I use quite extensively. Um, oh, right, yeah, yeah. They use the predecessor called Desup. Yeah, so they use Desup and uh, Dehacked to get their stuff working. And Flambu was really, really awesome. And he got me in touch with uh, JCD, I think was his name, uh, who, yeah, who uh, was really happy to help get um, Dominatrix working, the decorate objects working in Z Damon for Dominatrix. Mm-hmm. And because I do think that well, there was a lot of support for the idea of Dominatrix because people really enjoy domination there just isn't many maps for it because the game mode requires that sectors mm-hmm. are used as the as the capture points in fact like the demon specifically had like uh inbuilt uh support for uh i think double domination and because kilgore in the past the the, the main developer he was a huge fan of, of uh, unreal tournament so he he carried over a lot of the Unreal Tournament uh, specifics and inspiration. So, yeah, I, I assume that uh, the demon would be open towards uh, domination style 
mods. Yeah, um, and um, Flambu also got me in touch with the with the Ducks group, which has a few of the um, of the Z Daemon um, staff who who actually work with the source code, and they were they were also pretty happy about the idea, and they they helped me out a bit. They they took in some of my suggestions for the source port, um, and yeah, I'm pretty happy with how Dominatrix turned out. It's not played a lot. But there is plenty of support for it, and I'm really happy. Because, um, for instance, uh, the Doom Four thing that um, the D4T or yeah, D4T. That's it. Yeah. So, for instance, D4T has has support for um, for Dominatrix out of the box, and, and uh, um, Push, I believe, is also getting Dominatrix support if it doesn't nice. already have it. Um. So I'm I'm really happy about the the outreach that the game mode has had, even though it's not played a ton. So it's just an idea waiting to, to catch on fire. <laughs> yeah, it's um, if, if the we, support is there. Yeah, if we push more people to play it, more people will know about it, and they can they can contribute to it. Because the whole point of Dominatrix is that it's supposed to be easy for people to to have a map that they like. And to put control points on it, and I think it's just one of those things that are. It's still fairly new, you know. It's it's not really like the the most success that you're going to have with something new is to have it organized, you know. It, so I think that's kind of a fallacy that gets spread around by some people. Oh, this game mode's not really popular. Well, I mean, okay, that's true. Someone's probably not going to join a public server and play it, but at the same time, you could organize an event using dominatrix in a in a different way and you could probably get a decent amount of sign up so it's yeah you're right it's just a matter of having the right people organizing the right kind of you know right kind of session for it so i think it's the possibilities for it are pretty limitless you know i think i think we should actually sit down and try and kind of plan out some some different stuff to do but i mean d4t with dominatrix i mean that's like <laughs> that's like a wet dream you know that's like going to be the best thing ever yeah, I just need to not be getting screwed by my classes so I can have the time to actually sit down and uh, help organize events. Because I enjoy organizing events. The issue is just having the time for it. By the way, uh, if we move to some uh, some forward thoughts, you said you always enjoyed uh, building games for others, but basically in... When it comes to Doom community, uh, you're uh, you're mostly known for your uh, multiplayer mods. But in the past, you've mentioned you've been doing even single player games. Like, have you been interested in what modern GZ Doom has to offer? Uh, because, I mean, uh, uh, Doomware is mostly a lot of ACS work. Also, like you work with Decorate. And, but both of these things are very much like obsolete by uh, uh, Zscript, Z-Script, right? Yeah. Have you been looking into that? Like, are you interested in taking that venue and maybe try something with Zscript? Because I, I'm not sure Zendronum is near anywhere near implementing Zscript. But GZDoom is seeing some insane 
projects using Zscript. Yeah, uh, I've seen some really cool Zscript stuff. There are some fantastic gameplay mods uh, for for single player. Um, I've mostly stuck to multiplayer because I do think it, it, there's lots of cool stuff that can be done for it. It just needs to be explored, uh, like something like Doomware, for instance. Uh, I haven't really done much Zscript. Usually when I think of mods that run in GZ Doom, I usually think of things that are like really pretty to look at. I mean, just look at any CACO ward and you'll see what I mean. There's some entries there that are just phenomenal. There's a lot, a lot of really hard work that goes yeah. into that. And, and I have they... mentioned I, I can draw stuff. I'm not very good at it, but I can draw stuff. So to, for me, the seeing the stuff that gets that wins awards makes me feel a little bit overwhelmed. So I just end up in my tiny little Zandronum bubble. <laughs> On the other hand, yeah, like, but it's the like the innovation that counts. Like, uh, uh, for example, we've seen uh, Terminus jump from purely ACS staff. In his mods to towards uh, towards uh, embracing Zscript, so is that something like like that maybe tickles your fancy? Like this, this could open up so many new possibilities, and maybe somewhere down the line, Zendronum will implement uh, the support, and it will be online as well. Yeah, I mean, if GZ Doom gets proper client server. Working for for support, yeah, that, uh, which I think is more likely than Zentron. I'm ever getting an update. Um, <laughs> I will I will be glad to just try out Zscript like properly. Um, I I have lots of cool ideas for things that I've wanted to put in Doomware that just ACS just didn't cut it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the biggest issues I have with ACS is networking stuff is a pain in the ass. Uh, I had to write my own networking system. It was not very fun. It's a little bit janky, but it works. Um, And one thing that I also don't like is the fact that I don't have as much control over internal engine stuff as much as I'd like, because ACS is a scripting language. Um, And there isn't a lot of like stuff that's exposed to the user. And from what I've seen in um, in Zscript, there's a lot, lot more that you can do there. Like for instance, the carting things that I have for um, for Doomware, it's a cool idea, and I've had plenty of people tell me, "Oh, dude, you should make this into its own separate thing." And I kind of agree. I like the idea of there being some sort of carting race in uh, in Doom, as ridiculous as that sounds. But there's just no nice way to get it working. Because currently, the way that the karting works in Doomware is you use the mouse to steer. And it is super sensitive. You can quickly do a 180, which makes no sense in a driving game. But for something that's supposed to be stupid and chaotic, uh, for Doomware, it's fine. For its own separate project, uh, not so much. Yeah, so yeah, that would need more dedication and more possibilities that you would need Zscript for. 
Yeah, definitely. Also, something that I found annoying when working on uh, Dominatrix is the fact that I I don't have control over like basic game mode stuff. Like I can't set times, I can't set deaths. Uh, st- stuff to me for someone who wants to like script uh, f- like their own custom game modes, it's almost essential. But there's it just doesn't ACS doesn't support it. Um, like the, for instance, with Doomware, there it has its own dedicated scoreboard that I had to write in ACS. Um, and at the end of each round, you get the normal intermission screen that shows everyone's deaths and frags. But those deaths and frags have absolutely nothing to do with what happened right, in yeah. the game. And I'd like to make them reflect, but I can't. I, I, there's no way for me to do it in Zandronum. I was actually, my, my question was, I know you were talking about Zscript specifically. Um, but what about outside of Doomware, outside of Dominatrix? Are there any other sort of Doom-related projects that maybe you've had kind of rattling around in your head you know maybe you maybe you thought about it maybe you'd like to try something i mean is there is there something that you've kind of you know maybe you're gravitating towards like you know maybe there's something that 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 it could be a community project of you know now that you've gotten your your name out there a little bit more with doomware and you know dominatrix is so well done you know maybe there's maybe there's some support you know within the community that you could kind of rely on to to make it so that you're not, you know, going to school to get a PhD and then coding this thing all by yourself kind of thing. Yeah, Mark Cake uh, has been giving me lots of cool ideas. Um, for instance, he suggested a sort of freeze tag kind of thing that I quite like. But I have also know I'm a bit notorious for having lots of projects and never finishing any of them. Uh, so I'm pr- very insistent in finishing Doomware before I do anything else. And th- so that's kind of my main, especially because it somehow won a CAC award. So now I kind of need to finish it. I, I will feel terrible if I don't. Well, uh, look at Core CTF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, there, there are there are some ideas I I've tried. I haven't really written a lot of them down, sadly. But yeah, there there's plenty of things that I can pull from and uh, try to try to get working. Um, one idea that I did have was something like Trouble in Terrorist Town. Uh, there's this Gary's Mod game mode where some people are spawned as innocents and some people are traitors. And you don't know who is who, and you have to kind of the traitors have to murder all the innocents, and the innocents have to find out who the traitors are and murder them. And eventually, someone made murder, so I'm a bit late to that party. Well, there's also uh, who done it, and, and uh, yeah, who done it? That was it. Yeah, murder was the was a uh, from somewhere else, I think. And the entire Among Us craze right now. <laughs> yeah, and now Among Us is super popular as well. Um, another idea that I had that I've chatted with another user at Hellforge was this idea of a sort of Doom RPG kind of thing where uh, you have like multiple servers running different maps. So you have like one server with a hub level and one server with just dungeons. And you essentially you, um, you connect players to different servers based off of where they were last time, because uh, Zandronum has databases, 
and you can I believe you can have servers sharing the same database. So you can use that to have the servers communicate with one another. Um, it's mostly just a theoretical idea. It could work. Uh, we'll, we'll have to see once I once I finish oh, yes. doing something like that is even remotely possible. It'd be <laughs> it'll be totally stupid and crazy, but I just want to try it just for the sake of it. That sounds insane. Like I, I haven't even I had no idea this was even on the table. <laughs> Yeah, I usually when you think of Doom, you don't think of an MMORPG kind of thing. Yeah, and saving progress or something. <laughs> yeah, that as well. It's actually one of the most uh, underutilized features of Doomware. Doomware has its own database system. It has achievements. It has stat tracking, and almost no one uses it. Oh, right, because they they just fire up a new server every time, and then it, the server gets shut down. <laughs> yeah, that and not a lot of people have a Xandronum authentication account. That as well. It, you, you need to manually use the console to log yourself in or have that set up beforehand. There's no, it's kind of a hidden feature of Xandronum. Uh, it's, a, it's a bit like music. Not a lot of deathmatch people play with music. There's some yeah. very specific music selection. There's some mini games that require music, and people right. just don't use it. We had to instruct new people to put music on because one of the mini games is completely dependent on listening to the music. <laughs> and it's one of the best mini games, in my opinion. Yeah, that, um, it's actually funny because the fact that most people don't play that with music is the reason that that minigame now has a timer in the middle of the screen saying three, two, one, so that you know that the blocks are going to change. Mm -hmm. And even then, people still struggle with it. But, you know, there's only so much I can do. Well, I, I love it as a rhythm game. <laughs> yeah. And it's a bit of a shame, too, because for me, music is almost half of the experience of Doomware. Like, for, for me, playing Doomware, if I were to do it competitively... My ears are much, much faster at reacting than me having to read the instructions in the center of the screen. So I, I personally can tell exactly what minigame is going on from the music because every minigame has its own little 10-second track. Okay, that's a good point. Actually, I didn't realize that. And maybe that works on a subconscious level. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because... As time goes on, people get better at the games. Yeah, I recognize this, and maybe they recognize it by the jingle, basically. And they don't even realize they're doing it. Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, there's one mini game, there's three mini games actually, which spawn this like little triangle that says avoid in the center of the map. And it, that thing just kind of moves around. And then after a little bit, um, something will spawn on that avoid thing. Um, there's three different things that can spawn. You can either get this chili that explodes and leaves fire around the arena. There's a oh, peanut butter jelly time banana man that spawns and he will move around a little bit. Uh, so you have to be careful about that. And he does a big explosion, but no fire. And then there's just these spikes that protrude from the ground. And those three mini games have their own song 
So you can tell exactly which one is happening just from the song. Like the spikes, there's a bunch of them, and the music is like this really dark, ominous one. The the banana man is this like really um really like uh bombastic song. Uh because it's it's a stupid banana man just spawns from the floor. Um which is so I I picked music specifically for, for that theme. And the the chili, I don't quite remember what song I chose for that, but again, it's one of those if I hear it, I know exactly what's happening. Well, it's interesting. You can kind of equate it to like, let's say you're defending in CTF, right? Which I've done a lot of. You're always listening and you can kind of hear, you know, you have certain points in the map where you know you're going to be able to hear something that someone's doing. And so then you can just kind of react to that or position position yourself in a certain way. But um, yeah, I so I don't play with I don't play with music on, on it all either because it's a distraction to me. So I miss all of these cues in these mini games, except for the one like you were saying. Is the banana guy the one where he screams "What the fuck" when he explodes? No, that's the chili bomb. The banana says, "I like cereal." Uh, okay, <laughs> well, the chili bomb one. I can. I you, there are some noise effects there where I know where it's about to blow. But I mean, you're right. I think you definitely have that that reaction a little bit more um, from hearing it as opposed to visually. And yeah, like from the first game when I was like, oh. Should I have music on? Yeah, I've been always playing the game with music on. It's just, it's part of the experience. On the other hand, when you said that a lot of people don't play with music, it's kind of logical. Like, there's a lot of this pro-gamer shit, like, yeah, that the best players want to hear the cues, don't get distracted or whatever. Uh, I don't think that's true, actually. Like, yeah, okay, you don't get distracted by music because you're listening to the cues. You don't have footsteps in in Doom. You don't really have, like, sound cues. It's more about if if you're playing uh, a 40-minute Dwango 5 map one match with that track on repeat, you will go crazy. You You will fucking end that game with like and you will go murder someone in real life it's just i i was playing my own music for for like tourney matches i i don't need i don't need to have complete silence <laughs> i just don't want to listen to uh the, the original same midi, music on repeat yeah, the same <laughs> midi every every damn time uh you know i have to say Part of the reason why we wanted to talk to you and part of the reason why we're we're so happy to have you in MDF is because I think I've used this word before, but I think you're just like a wizard, you know? You can you can do all these things and you're you're actually changing the way that we look at Doom. I mean, you're changing it from just your typical deathmatch and you Oh know, didn't Boo was also uh, like a part of the uh fast response to the uh, take the crown crisis when we were like uh, you know uh, I I have done a, I have done all sorts of like tiny little script for MDF I made a respawn protection thing I no, made I mean, I mean when when we started the take the crown tournament and basically uh, you know we had some custom scripting for for the HUD for the overlay. 
and it started crashing the servers. Ah, yeah, no, that that wasn't me because Take the Crown happened when I was in my exam month. <laughs> okay. Uh, I would have, I wanted to help out with that, but I just couldn't. I just didn't have the time. I see. Um, yeah. But I, I have made all sorts of tiny little scripts for MDF for your, uh, all different events. I have this respawn protection script that I made. I have one for keeping track of who died first with um, last man standing matches that have more than one lives because just reading the console can be a bit convoluted. And I also made a pinging system for last man standing games that literally tell you for a second or two where players are, uh, which is supposed to like help prevent uh, camping. Uh, so I've definitely done all sorts of tiny little things as well for for you guys. Oh, we may have a lot more work for you in the future, by the way. <laughs> so, oh, <dear. laughs> so, yeah, you better wrap up that education bullshit and, and just commit to MDF full time. Trust me, I'd really like to. <laughs> as soon as I'm finished with this course, so I'm going to throw a party. <laughs> uh, it's 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 interesting. I've always wanted to be a games programmer, but computer science is very boring. Oh <laughs> god, yes. So boring. <laughs> I can't I can't wait to finish my course. So trust me, I I also want to contribute more to MDF. But do do you like do you feel that you have a future in in like the the game gaming industry itself? Is that Yes, I I definitely want to pursue game development. I, I, I enjoy game development. I, I love the creative process of game development. Right, yeah, but uh, I mean, let's be cynical. Like right now, you're, you're a master of yourself. You're doing tiny indie projects. You're in the creative lead. You're sort of like, okay, if this could be taken up a notch, it would be like, I'm I'm best at programming. I would get a, a professional musician for my project. I would get a profession professional artist. But actual work, when you go as a programmer into the industry, like in in a in a in some uh, slave farm, yeah. working for uh, CDPR, <laughs> <laughs> is that is that what you want? <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question, and I'm not even sure how to answer it. I, I still haven't quite decided how I want to pursue my game development career. Um, because I do have the choice of either going to some AAA company um, that will probably work me to death, and I will definitely not be paid as much as my brother, who's, in, who's also doing uh, programming, but he's doing consultancy. Mm -hmm. um, or I could go with the other path of trying to live off pennies as an indie developer, but having full creative control over my projects. It's def I, I really need to think about that, and I still haven't. Um, so any suggestions are, are welcome. Please help well, me decide my life. Well, it looks like Sergeant Mark can live off his Patreon Doom work, maybe. So maybe it's a it's a viable living route. I don't it know. Could, it could be. I mean, I make money off of Gary's mod. Um, I I used to when I was in high school. I used to do commission work for Gary's mod, 
And now I just I just have this uh, medieval combat system that I made. That I just you know, Gary's mod has like this website where you can sell scripts, and I've been selling that medieval combat script for over two years, and it's it's given me enough money. And if I wanted to, I could dedicate full time to it. But I'm I, I like modding. I, I I like taking things that I really enjoy and pushing them in different ways or just having fun with them. But I also like being able to work on my own thing and like from scratch, uh, like my own games or something having, like having that. some sort of creative freedom and not just being told to uh, program this one NPC to do a routine for for. Yeah, I mean three months. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> I mean the the thing the fun thing about uh, game development that I've noticed is I will work on something uh, and I'll show it to someone. They're like, hey, this is pretty cool. And then I iterate on it and I add more stuff to it. And usually it's either cleaning up things in the background or small little details that weren't there before. And I work a lot on that. And then I present it to someone else, to the same person. They're like, really? The, this almost feels like the last thing that you showed me. Mm-hmm. And it's a bit annoying because I know how much work went into the last version and it's not people weren't seeing that so like i don't mind being stuck on writing npc code for three months because there's a lot that goes into game development it's just i don't want to be treated like garbage Mm -hmm. I, i i i i see games as an art form um it's one of my few ways of expressing myself because like i said i can't draw Great! I can't compose good oh. ear stuff. Oh, preach. Uh, I, I know the feeling. <laughs> so, just programming in general works great for me, and that's I'm I'm that's definitely what I want to do. Regardless of the 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 bound like the 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 blocks that are in the way. Right. Yeah. On the other hand, if if you become an uh workhorse for the AAA industry it will just be you won't even have time to enjoy the art of video games anymore because there will be no more free time yeah it will <laughs> it will just chew me up the triple i i always equate triple a to hollywood it's mm-hmm. very systematic there you um you make product you release product and people will enjoy the product. You'll get a lot of people because there's a lot of money involved in these sorts of things, and so they have a lot of marketing power. But there, there's always this small thing about Hollywood movies or AAA games that's just sort of missing the soul in them. Right, yeah. Like, it's... Do we have do we have a comparison to this in in the Doom community? Like 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 uh, projects that Slotermat? grind people up. No, I don't know. But that's like the the game style. But I mean, like, uh, well, I could probably joke about back to Saturn X, a <laughs> 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 industry that chews members up. But mm. I, I'm not sure it's that far. But it's like, I guess. I guess maybe uh, Knee Deep in Z-Doom would be, would be one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or more death, I guess. 
more oh, that too. That's just one person grinding himself into yeah over and over for decades. <laughs> yeah, poor guy. She's just creating your own health. There, there's. I mean, crunch has its position in um, in development and the creative process, but he he just can't do it in the the way that the triple A industry does it. Oh yeah, it, one year. It, it's bro. it's unsustainable is the best word to describe. It. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm crunching in my work right now. I'm taking a break from crunch, so maybe I'm not crunching enough because I have time to record this. On the other hand, yeah, when January rolls over, I'll be free. I'll, oh my God, <laughs> I'll be free. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like the people uh, working on Cyberpunk, they didn't get that. And then they, they didn't get that even when the game was released. They're still crunching because the game is on fucking fire. They're still crunching like mad to fix the bugs, to save the company. <laughs> yeah, and you also get games like Fortnite, which are literally just perpetual content machines where yeah. they have to spit out a new update every week and just they they work their employees to death almost. There's a there's a Japanese word which is karoshi, which is death by overwork. Oh yeah, uh, everyone was like mocking that that's that's a Japanese thing that can yeah. happen in the West, like no fucking way. And the game industry actually uh, introduces us to that, which is amazing. Yeah, you have things like um, like uh, Bioware. They have the 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 whole Anthem incident. They had this term that they coined, which was a stress casualty. That was it. Someone who worked so crunched so much, and they just had to like stop. Stop working for for months. Sometimes they don't even come back to game development. Yeah, and yeah. Th- and this isn't just a problem with um, with the programming industry. This is in everywhere. Like Hollywood, like I mentioned, Hollywood. I don't want to imagine how much work it was to redo Sonic's design, like in the in the Sonic movie. I don't want to know how much they crunched their animators for that. And the modelers and animators and everyone. So we'll literally redo an entire movie in just a few months. Yeah, or or uh, remove Superman's mustache in in private. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's. I would not recommend you to go that path. By the way. <laughs> yeah, I I I don't really see myself doing AAA games. Or if you, um, if you join some some company like that, look if they have a union. Oh, we're getting yes. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, to me, something like a union almost seems like it shouldn't even be a political thing. Workers are people, and they should have rights to to you know have a life. You're not just something to be dumped when they're done with your project. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a lemon. Yeah, there's there I again like I haven't quite decided where I want to go. The the US for instance is a workers nightmare in that case for unions and stuff. Um it, it's very volatile the workplace, the uh work culture there. I could also um there's lots of really cool game studios that aren't quite triple A, they're more like double A. 
that exist in all sorts of countries. There's lots of like Russian and Ukrainian ones. Um, there's plenty of Polish. Uh, CD Projekt Red is probably the biggest ones of that. Uh, Frictional Games, for instance, I th- I don't quite remember where they are. I think it's Netherlands. Mm. The the guys who made Amnesia and Soma. Um, Ubisoft is French, right? Yeah, Ubisoft is French Canadian, I think. French Canadian, yeah. Yeah. Ubisoft is probably not somewhere I'd like to work on, though, uh, yeah, consider- they're considering their, their allegations of sexual misconduct and uh, oh, yeah. lots, lots of things, yeah. Well, it's tough. That, it's, it's tough. Also in Bioware and elsewhere. Like, yeah, in a lot of places. You, you, uh, once, once you have a big studio, it gets very easy for you to lose track of everything that's going on when you have 100-plus employees. Well, and it also uh, takes just one thing to ruin right so um the law firm i worked for this law firm that the namesake was the personal attorney for harvey weinstein and all of this happened so they have like a production company together and everything like that and of course all of the harvey weinstein stuff happens and that law firm has shred like or shed i should say like a hundred over a hundred partners and i mean they've they've basically shrunk in size over the last three or four years to the point where i mean they're not going to be in business for much longer. So, you know, it's like, like, like just, you just have to be really careful. Or because they actually worked well for Weinstein. He represented him in the sexual assault cases oh. as ouch, his personal ouch. friend and business partner. So, ouch, 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 ouch. Yeah. Ouch. yeah. <laughs> I got out of that place pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, uh, CD Projekt Red is also a great. Uh, more recent example of that like they had a lot of goodwill and they managed to completely shred it in just a few days they were darlings of 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 like the community they were doing everything right like up to witcher 3 and uh running uh gog they were gods like everyone was wishing them well then just, and oh then, my God, cyberpunk Cyber, yeah, cyberpunk happened, and at the same week, they also they banned. I believe it was a Chinese game from oh, yeah, GOG yeah, yeah. Uh, that happened all in the same week as Cyberpunk, and that was also yeah. a bit of a shitstorm. And yeah, they managed to just ruin it in just a few days. Mm-hmm. Oh well, I was waiting for Cyberpunk for years. So the day it comes out, I bought it. I I play console games for the most part cuz whatever um and i and then i saw all these bugs that were happening and i said okay well let's just wait and see they'll probably update you know and then it got removed from the playstation store and i was like oh shit okay but i saw that they were still sending updates right so i waited until a week ago and i loaded it up i just got i got to the part where you know i get to choose the guy's big penis and all that stuff and i went to go start the game and it just crashed completely didn't work at all so that was yeah. yeah there's this there's this annoying thing with the games industry nowadays which is patch culture back then like when doom and stuff were released they were especially for like playstation 2 era you you would release a game and that was it you you could add expansions to it you could make expansion packs but once you release the game, that was it. It had to be in a working state. Yeah, Nowadays, because, because it was carried over on a CD. 
and there yes. was no way to actually like easily update it. Yes. <laughs> and but nowadays there's a sort of we'll fix it later kind of mentality because uh, since you have the chance to patch it out in the next version. Yeah, 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 the the zero uh the zero day patches that yes. actually like they already know they're shipping it with bugs and they already uh like are making you to download a, a huge fix for all these bugs that they finished on the last night. Yeah, the, the fact that uh, day zero patches exists ridiculous. Uh, imagine if like you watched a movie, you bought a ticket for a movie, and parts of the movie weren't working, and you had to wait a few days to be able to yeah. to watch the movie in its proper state. Yeah, it, yeah it, like, it's, like it's silly. Like like the trailer uh, animations that are just crudely textured. Like we will finish this later, and then it's actually on on the first day and in the theaters it's still like that and they're like oh if you if you buy the the dvd or the blu-ray version yeah it will be fixed in that yeah so so, so just wait a bit and buy it again <laughs> that, that's sort of it yeah uh i haven't bought a triple a game in a very long time um i i think the last triple a game i bought was doom 2016 really mm -hmm. and that was just because i enjoyed doom and i wanted to see what they were going to do the game also it doesn't help that i'm on a really old laptop so uh my doom 2016 experience was me playing the game at 640 by 480 it ran <laughs> it ran at 60 frames per second it was a lot of fun and i don't i didn't really care <laughs> about its terrible resolution so, so, so you got so you got your proper real Doom three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I actually I actually played Doom three back on my dad's when I had one of my dad's old work laptops. It was a Windows XP machine, and I remember playing that thing at like fifteen frames per second. But I didn't care. I just had a blast. Oh yeah, that's that's. I I started playing Arlumine that way. I, I also got the fifteen. Uh, Frames per second experience, because now nowadays even even Doom Wards are <laughs> fucking too expensive for my <laughs> laptop. <laughs> yeah, I, I've pulled um, Bridge Burner's leg a bunch over that. I think your um, you know your cackle word was was so well deserved, and thank you so much for for spending time with us. You know, for everyone that's listening, this is actually. The most complicated podcast we've ever recorded, and Boo was awesome throughout the whole thing. So hopefully we get to have him on the show again because I feel like we've only scratched the surface, um, you know, for what we can what we can talk about. But I really appreciate you being on, and uh, you know, I think if you're not playing Doomware and you you know you're not checking out Dominatrix, you're really missing out on a lot of fun. So thank you very much for being on the show, Boo. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. I still can't quite get over the fact that I won a CAC award, to be honest. Because I just I just see the entries that make it every year, and I'm like, God, these are so cool. There's no way I'll ever win something like this. So I uh, thank you for having me, and thank you for just giving me the chance to, to show off my stupid ideas to the world. I should be thanking you guys way more than you should be thanking me. <laughs> All credit goes to the creator. 
Hey, this is the Motherload producer of the Doom is Dead podcast. Just a quick reminder here before you go, make sure that you check the episode notes and join the multiplayer Doom Federation Discord so that you can participate in uh, all the amazing events going on over there, interact with human bones, and do some, and play things like Doomware, where they do these things regularly. Also, if you're a fan of this show, I highly recommend you check out In The Keep podcast. More on that at inthekeep.com, and also make sure you check out doomfederation.com.